Sometimes you gotta go back to actually move forward. I don't mean all the way back to dental school. Let's face it, that was an awful experience. But when it's all said and done, you still have questions. That's what Paul and Justin are here for. To answer your questions as your dental business mentors. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Justin. I'm here with Dr. Paul Etchison. We are here doing uh, question and answer sessions for folks submitting questions to the Dental Business Mentor platform. So it's always fun to do. It's always exciting to do because they're questions that are tactical and practical, right? When they come from other folks or they're questions that perhaps our clients are asking us, you know, it's quite useful to share them with everybody. So we're pretty excited to be able to do that. Paul, what's happening, brother? Uh, not too much, man. So we got this one today. It is, how do I accurately track my expenses and maximize my profit in that regard? So this is, I mean, that's a paraphrase of it, but that's what I kind of take it. So, so how do I actually track my expenses and, and do like a profit and loss? Because, you know, I see this with my clients a lot is that we, we use some accountant that we've been using for years, maybe a family friend, and we're just really don't have our pulse on what's going on expense wise and income wise. So what do you think about that, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. So really good question, because at the end of the day, if there's no profit, then number one, you don't get an opportunity to reinvest back into the practice to grow the practice from the top end. Two, you don't have much there to create incentives or programs or take staff to CE and do the things that will also help grow the practice and enhance your joy. And then lastly, we all go to work to help our patients out have some sort of impact on our patients and our team, some type of positive impact. And we do that through the dental work. But if we're not taking care of the expense side of it, then we don't get to have that same impact on our families. And, you know, you don't want to be busting your tail and not being rewarded in the way that you should be. What this comes down to is, and for a lot of you folks out there who are sophisticated operators, well, this might sound basic, but I think you should still listen because oftentimes knowing and not doing, right, is what we see. So yeah, you know all about it, but how often do you do you actually implement some of the things we're going to talk about? So so listen up real quick and we'll uh, we'll go through this. Hopefully you extract some value. Get a monthly profit and loss statement going. I'm not going to go into all the other metrics, but a P&L in some areas it's called a statement of income and retained earnings. We've seen it call that, but a profit and loss statement is the, the general term used for a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that at the top lists your revenue. Okay. Your revenue. And I'm going to go through the basics of it. I'm not going to get nitty gritty lists your revenue and all your expenses and way at the bottom revenue minus expenses is net earnings, profit. People call that EBITDA. That's the same deal. Money left over. Okay. When we have money left over, that's really where it's at. So, how do you influence that? Well, you can either increase the top end, which is the revenue, while keeping expenses generally the same. And I'm going to elaborate on that. Or you can decrease the expenses or both, which is the best scenario. And so, what I've learned from operating dental practices is it's easier to increase the revenue in the beginning up to about a two, two and a half million dollar mark than it is to chop a bunch of expenses. Not to say you can't, you're going to be doing both. It's just that the ceiling on revenue doesn't really exist, right? That's, that's a potential thing. 
But the floor on expenses does. There is a very solid concrete floor that you cannot surpass at some point. It just is just going to flatten out there. And so to focus on penny pinching on every little thing, in my opinion, is not my way of approaching it. There's some folks that do that, right? Like sit there and calculate, like saving a couple bucks on gloves here, there, and all these things. That's wonderful. You should do that, but maybe once a year, right? On a weekly basis, you should be figuring out how you can add more revenue. So at the end of the year, that revenue number is higher. Even if it's $100,000 higher, that's better for you. So when you look at expenses now, expenses are fixed and variable. There's two types of expenses. A fixed expense would be your rent. That would be fixed. Another fixed expense could be a salaried employee, for example, or a, a equipment lease, something that's not going to change. It's not variable based on consumption, right? A variable expense may be your supplies, right? You might use a little more, a little less, run out of bond a little quicker, gloves and those sorts of things. You can't, you don't have much control over your, your fixed expenses once they're set. Like you can't go renegotiate your lease or your rent halfway through the term. You can try, but it's likely not to be rewarding to you. So you're really just focused on variable expenses, those things that are consumed in the process. And the way you're going to do that is as a single owner operator, you're not going to be able to negotiate because you're not going to be the number one guy for your rep or the company that you're dealing with. That's just the way it works. And to shop around from one company to another and have a team member being paid 20 bucks an hour or whatever to go and look through all these catalogs and stuff and try to figure out how to save you a buck or two, well, you've probably ended up paying them more. So there are other ways to do it. There's buying groups out there that will help you out with this. And I'm not going to promote one or the other, no affiliations with any, but there's buying groups out there who have pooled all these dentists, right? Like they've got this cooperative of dentists, a bunch of docs just pooling their resources saying, okay, if you can get us a good deal, we'll all order from you. The other way to do it is to continue to grow. The more offices you do, the more economies of scale are factored in, which is your ability to negotiate. So take care of the P&L, focus on revenue, reduce expenses. That's the key. Get your accountant to do this for you. On a monthly basis, you should always be looking at it. If you don't like it, get your strategic partner to. If your strategic partner doesn't like to do it, then get your wife or husband to. And if they don't like to, then get a coach or consultant to. But somebody has to help you with this. Otherwise, you're going to be working harder and not smarter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people, they don't do it. And I would say like, this is something I don't feel like the dentist owner operator should be doing. I feel like this should be handled outside the office. This should be something that most dental CPAs, if you're using one, they will do the bookkeeping for you. It's it's pretty easy. Send them a statement or you just give them access to your online and they just kind of download it into their QuickBooks. It needs to happen. Now, I'm not saying like you need to pay for a high-priced dental accountant where like they compare you to other offices and stuff, Like, but you want to know where you're at and, and what you're doing. I think as far as like when we look at lab costs, okay, like removable costs. What I always say is you should make sure that your fee for the procedure is asleep three times your lab fee. You can't go wrong with that. Crown fees, a little bit, you can go much less, like less than 10% of your total fee because crowns are really cheap right now. But you just got, you got to have a basic grasp on am I charging enough for these procedures as far as labs go? Supplies, yeah, you can dig in. And the thing is, is that I haven't found much fruit from digging into supplies. Right now, being part of MB2, we get that group buying power. But, you know, I was part of a buying group before and it was decent. You know, it was good. And 
we tried shopping around, like making a grand list of everything that we did. And we shopped around and we really didn't find that much saving. So I'm with you on that. It's kind of hard to really pinch in that regard. And I think a lot of people limit the floss. That floss is too long. That's too many cotton rolls and all this stuff. And it just doesn't add up to much. I mean, I used to take, instead of using an endo triangle sponge that fits in the little ring, I used to buy one of those little floaty noodle things from for that float in the pool. And I'd cut that up to stick my files in. And I think I saved myself like 20, 30 bucks for the year or something like that. It was, it was, it was such a waste. But it's this is the kind of mentality I've had. I, I've even heard of people taking their sharps and melting them down with something on Amazon. So it melts them down to a metal block and then you can just throw it in the trash. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, the time you're going to spend doing that isn't really worth it. But I think the, the major point here is that you have to have a grasp on what your expenses are. Most importantly, in my opinion, is the payroll expense. What is our payroll expense? Is it 22 to 28%? This is how I decide, can I hire more people? Can I, if I hire more people, are they going to increase revenue? So looking at these numbers is how you essentially run your business. And if you're going home at the end of the day and you're like, man, I have no profit. This, this really sucks. Why not? Where's all the money going? Like you have to have a grasp on this. And like you said, Justin, there's only so many things we can control and definitely up to a certain collections value. It just makes more sense just to increase your collections, increase your revenue because you can't really pinch all that much. But when you get larger offices like you are and like you have your, your multiple practices and my practice being very large, then like making some expense things kind of makes a big difference on the bottom line. But sometimes I wonder if it's even worth my time. But what's important is to know. You've got to know. This is something that you've got to know. And if your accountant is not getting this to you, if you do not have a bookkeeper, you don't have anyone doing this, you got to get it. It's just an essential thing. Even if you hate it, you got to have it. It's just, you need to have it. So I would say as far as like maximizing profit, the easiest way is to increase your collections, increase your revenue, figure out how to get better case acceptance, how to run your office, convert more people to get more new patients, things like that. And then you kind of, like, it's a little bit of both. You got to do both. That's we, we're turning all the knobs and turning all the gears when we're running a business. So that's pretty much all I would say about that. You got anything else to add to that, Justin? Only thing I would add is that if you guys or anyone out there wants to get into the nitty gritty over a 10 minute period of where industry benchmarks are, what percentage of your collections or productivity should supplies be at, lab be at, rent be at, you know, and all the different allocations on a profit and loss statement, let us know. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Info at dentalbusinessmentor.com.